Hello and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast, the one and only mindset podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs and coaches master their mindset, giving you insider access to industry leaders around their psychology, their campfire stories, and the mindset required to be successful in this business. I'm your host, Kieran O'Neill, mental performance coach and founder of Total Mental Performance, the world's fastest growing specialist mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So without further ado, let's lean in and listen. Yes, yes, team, and welcome to another episode of the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Uh, today, we have Neil. Neil is one of my personal evolution clients in our one-to-one program, and he is an absolute superstar. He's an online marketing success coach. He's got such an interesting story, such an interesting background. And on top of that, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's one of those guys that not only is he incredible what he does, but he's so nice, you think, fuck, you can't put him down on anything. So, Neil... Honestly, it's an honor to have you here. And uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, my friend. Thanks so much for having me, man. I massively appreciate you for having me on, but also just for, for everything that we've worked on together as well. It's been fun. It's been fun. So imagine an alien's just called coming to the podcast and he's just sat in the corner and he's like, Kieran, who's this Neil guy? What's his background? Give this alien some background and, on, on who you are and what it is you do. Excellent. Well, uh, I, I'm Neil Shoney Mack and... I, albeit that I teach coaches how to generate leads and sales online, it, it didn't ever start like that. I actually went to university and studied sport and exercise science. I just loved health and fitness in general. And after university, I went on to start my first ever large scale business, I guess, which is Scotland's biggest ever health, fitness and wellness exhibition. And we had thousands of people come every single year to our events. And that's how I fell in love with marketing because I had to learn it to get myself out of a very deep hole that myself and Kieran have chatted about a good few times on our on our calls, where I went into really, really bad places with that that first business about nine years ago, you know, 21 years old and uh, and throwing myself under the bus with minus £2,000 in my student overdraft, starting this business that was going to cost hundreds of thousands of pounds to put on with no contacts, no loans, no rich parents or family members to bail me out anywhere. I was like... I went in with passion and quickly realized that, um, yeah, not everybody loves the ideas that are in your head as much as you do. And so uh, a few months on after launching that, thinking everybody will buy all the stands and everybody will buy tickets, we'd sold zero stands and we'd sold zero tickets. And we were a few months out and we had people hammering us with invoice after invoice, chasing us, chasing us, chasing us, and we had nothing. I couldn't even pay bills. It was, it was awful. And uh, I could have just gone down the same route, worked harder, even though there was probably only about two hours of the day I, was, I wasn't working already, uh, or I could look for other solutions. And I looked at online marketing and I was like, right, I need to find other answers. So I just studied online marketing as much as possible, implemented everything that I could find and ended up finding Facebook ads, social media and email marketing and certain strategies that you could do within them to sell tickets and sell stands. And, you know, it got us out of a, a deep hole very quickly. We ended up with over a hundred exhibitors at the, the first event, multiple thousands of tickets uh, sold for that very first event. And I fell in love with the marketing side. And off the back of that, one of the exhibitors had a gym that was uh, basically opening up and he came to us and he said, um, could you do what you just did with that event? And could you run a launch plan for our brand new gym? And so I took on 
uh, a gym that had no social media pages, no email list, no presence. Nobody even knew it existed or was being built. And uh, with a seven-week launch plan before their doors had even opened, we generated them £297,860 in membership sales. And off the back of that, that ended up in a consultancy business. And when that became oversubscribed, people asked me to coach them. So literally, I've never, ever wanted to be a marketer. (laughs) I never (laughs) wanted to be a consultant. I never wanted to be a coach. I never even wanted to create any of the products that I've created. It's always been by request. Somebody being like, can you build this? Or can, can I work closer with you? Or whatever it may look like. So literally everything that's happened has been just listening, listening to what other people are looking for and leaning in where it, it felt right. And that was basically it. I think that skill of listening is such an underrated skill. Even in the coaching world, all the coaches like to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? And clearly yeah. observing what were happening is going, okay, well, what does this person need and what? How does that work? And then you just listen to the next and listen to the next. I think it's such an underrated skill. You look at some of the top entrepreneurs in the world it's not like you know like the uk or europe but like some of the big 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 boys like some of the big investors a lot of them are taking time out to listen to themselves to listen to the market i think warren buffett talks about how he spends like an hour and afternoon just listening like just reading just thinking just making that space and clearly you've you've worked incredibly hard but you've also listened to what's happening and you've adapted and you've grown and i think that that organic side is always best when you just kind of let things happen and listen and react and, and, and adapt and change. Sometimes when you push too much onto one thing, you, you get caught up in it. You don't actually go, well, what is the data telling me? What is the market telling me? And you kind of get stuck in that. So it's really nice to hear that. It was, you listen and then you answer. Yeah. And it's like, we, we call it social listening. And it's putting things out there that sometimes aren't there specifically for lead generation. And sometimes it is there just to gather the data of what you should be creating next. And it can even fall over where it's twofold between the two. So for instance, you might have done this, many people listening might have done this simple strategy, which is to throw up an Instagram poll and to reach out to the people who hit the buttons and use it as a conversation starter. And that conversation starter can end up in in clients. But most of our best strategies that we use, like the names of our challenges, like five-day challenges, people know what they are, but what the topic is within a five-day challenge is really important. And we don't choose it, we listen. So we do Instagram polls and we're looking for the answers as to what people are struggling with and what they're looking for right now and where they get most of their leads right now. And we're using these Instagram polls. Sure, we'll speak to people on the other side of them, but we're looking deeper than that. We're always looking at what can that tell us about what it is that the market's looking for? Because once you know that, it's the easiest thing in the world to, to create new content, to create podcast episodes, to know who you should be speaking to on, on these episodes, what your five-day challenge topic should be. You can just listen and just go with where the market's telling you rather than an assumption and just going, you know, I think this is what people want or it's just it's what I want to talk about, <laughs> which is the worst one of all. If you had a boxing nickname, you'd be Neil the Listener Shoney. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't just be you because I've got big ears. <laughs> yeah, Neil the Listener. That's incredible. It's incredible. So it was quite organic how we met, which was quite fun. Joe, yeah. our friend, our good friend, Joe Parrish, said, Kieran, Neil, you guys have got to meet. And there's a few people on the planet where if they say, I rarely take meetings outside of, of TMP or, or whatever. I, I'm very reluctant to just jump on a call because of bandwidth from, for where we're at. 
But there's a few people on the planet when they say, you got to meet this guy. I don't even ask. I go on then. <laughs> Joe, Joe Parrish is one of, those, <laughs> one of those guys. He's like, you got to meet Neil. I was like, all right, intro us and we'll, and we'll get it done. And that, that conversation, I think, I think booked in 30 minutes, went on for an hour and a half. It was, it was organic. It was so fun. It was great. I absolutely loved it. And I, I was the exact same position. Like Pete, people asked to, to jump on calls and just bounce ideas or bend my ear or whatever, whatever that terminology will be all the time. And I usually say no, because all my time, just like your time, is dedicated to current clients for the most part. You know, and uh, but when Joe says it, it's like he knows how busy we both are. And so he would not be doing it if he didn't think it was going to be really beneficial. But the funniest thing is, is neither of us actually knew why we were meant to be there. <laughs> so it kind of just started off with, well, you know, tell me about yourself yeah. and just like, well, what is it you do? And uh, and just learning about each other, which was fun. And then here we are today. Well, it shows the power of networking. And I think that's a really underrated tool even for, for coaches. Coaches know a lot more people than they realize but they don't actually, they're not trained. So I, I was trained in networking from the Peter Jones Academy. So I left school at 16. Um, Peter Jones, the guy of Dragonstone, he had an academy for young entrepreneurs. You didn't have any exams, a little bit of coursework, but you run a business and they'll assess you on how the business was going, your pitching, your financial forecasts, all of that. And he said that a lot of business isn't about what you know, it's about who you know. That's a classic cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. And, uh, Sometimes it is just a case of, like you said, listening. And Joe goes, hey, man, can you meet this dude? And he's like, yeah, I'll meet this dude. And then he said the same to you. And yeah, I'll meet, I'll meet the dude. And then that's it. Then you're, uh, you're, you're together and it's, and it's fun. It's organic. But what struck me about that conversation is it was literally like, so like, I don't know why I'm here. Do you know why you're here? No, I don't. Great. What's, the, what's, the, what's your story? And sometimes just going in with an open story and just going, oh, what, what is it you do? What's your background? What's your story? It just allows you to connect in like a really completely different way and having the flexibility, like you said, to listen and just let that in. It's so nice. Yeah, it was excellent. And we found so many similarities in our stories, which was funny as well. Mm. Like some of the things that you were talking about from your past, and I was like, so weird. That's exactly the way it happened to me as well. So we were connecting really well there, but obviously like your genius of what, what it is that you do just absolutely shone through, not just in a way that you were like educating me, but you were just asking questions. And those questions without you having to say anything was bringing me to solutions to things that I didn't even really know were an issue there. And I remember at the end of the call, I, I said to you, look, I don't know if it is, I, I don't know if it's one month, I don't know if it's 12 months, I don't know if it's one-to-one -one sessions. I don't know if it's a group. I don't know if it's uh, 97 bucks or 25K. I was like, send me an invoice, whatever it looks like to work with you closely. <laughs> right? yeah. I was like, let's just see what happens on the other side of it and then uh, and then go from there. But that that's how bought in I was just off of the back of a, a casual conversation with you at that stage. What would you say in that conversation you became aware of that you weren't aware of before? The way I was feeling as like my benchmark of how I was feeling 24 hours a day was number one, not normal. It was learned behavior and that it was something that was actually removable, right? So like you, you talked about it as being in a constant state of panic, right? And when you articulated it to me and you helped me understand it, I could see why that was there because for me, I wasn't ever having panic attacks and I wasn't being like, running around like petrified or like I wasn't being snappy. I'm always calm. Do you know what I mean? So I almost had this like underlying 
panic in a in a place where other people wouldn't even challenge me on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So therefore, it was really hard for me to see it. I thought this was just the way that you kind of felt when you were running a business and you had a ton of clients yeah. that you're trying to think about all the time and you're always trying to problem solve. And I didn't realize that there was definitely things from my past that had affected that and that things that had happened since maybe the initial starting point, if you will, had really like reaffirmed it, you know, in me. And it had gotten me to a stage where I was, you know, I, I just, I, I suppose I just wasn't feeling anywhere close to 100%. And that sounds like it's not really a big deal to say, oh, but I wasn't feeling 100%. But when you're feeling like probably 30 to 50% below where you should be, but you think that's the baseline and you think that's what feeling good feels like, yeah. you have no idea what's on the other side of it. Because now that we are on the other side of it, I would have said to anybody, I don't have any problems back then. Mm. I would have said that. But now when I'm like who I am today and who I was three months ago, it's like, shit, man, imagine going back and being that guy again. So there's probably multiple coaches right now who are listening right now to this podcast who were, who are in the exact position that I was in maybe three months, four months ago, where you actually think that everything is going to plan, right? And you think how you feel is actually very good, right? So you think you're feeling good. You think your energy is okay. You think your boundaries are good. You think you have the good ability to switch off in certain situations. You're not working around the clock. You're not working late into the evenings. You have things down. But the thing is that baseline that I was at was something that I had just accepted for years, that that was my baseline of how I was supposed to feel. And the funny thing is, I was probably feeling the best I had felt in years because I'd been trying to work on it on my own, I guess. So for me, it was good. But what I didn't realize was if I was to look at myself now versus back then, this guy versus that guy, I'm like, how the hell did that guy survive? <laughs> you know, that's a crazy thing. So I would have described <laughs> it and been very authentic mm. about saying, you know, I've, you know, I've, feel good. I feel my energy is good. I feel this is good. And this is good. And this is good. And this is good. But the funny thing is, when I look back on it, it was, you know, it, it was that state of constant panic that you were talking about. And it wasn't the panic attacks. And it wasn't running around feeling like I was actually panicking in any which way I wasn't shouting and screaming or like I'm always calm. And so all of those things, it didn't really show itself. And nobody else would have actually spotted it and so nobody was bringing it up to me either so for me i thought that everything was going well and it wasn't until we started to dive into how i was actually feeling and you know how do i feel right now and what what's perfect looking like and then realizing that there was actually a big discrepancy there and the things that had got me into this situation here that wasn't fully fulfilling me those were things that were learned behaviors over time and I had gotten to the point where I had gotten to such acceptance for it that I thought that it was 100% acceptable to feel that way on a 24-hour period every single day. That was my baseline. And to me, I called it happiness. But now I would say it is completely night and day with, with where I am. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's the same with your physical fitness. So if you haven't trained, if you've never trained before or training wasn't a big part of your life, you never really knew what good felt like but most people in this industry have trained before 
So they know what the difference between not feeling good and feeling good feels like from a physiological perspective. But general population doesn't. So there's lots of people that have never really exercised or dieted before. So when they start training and eating well, they're like, holy shit, I feel like I've had a whole backpack taken off my shoulders. I feel amazing. But it's exactly the same with the mind. You know the phrase baggage, emotional baggage. We're all carrying this emotional baggage, but it's about how do we take the backpack off? And there's a difference, and obviously, if we look at uh, the, one of the greatest business book ever, Good to Great, it's exactly the same with my view of mental performance. Sure, like, you had nothing wrong. Like, there wasn't anything that was like, holy shit, like, this guy's having a, having a crisis. There's none of that. But for elite level performance, I do believe you have to do the deeper work and understand, well, why do I tick like I tick? And actually, is this helpful or is this not? And the right person set with the right set of questions is able to hold up the mirror and go, well, I thought this was just part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. I thought I was meant to sort of be semi-panicking and stress and anxious all the time. And no, you don't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way at all because all the energy that you're burning up in anxiety and stress and in panic, and even if you're not consciously aware that that's what you're experiencing, that's all creative resources that are being taken away when actually you can be using those, that same energy and transforming that and using that in different, different ways. Having done that work, and you've now been through our foundations phase and our mastery phase, what are the outcomes now having been through that transition so far? Probably, probably two specific ones. And that is how I feel and react to certain situations in, in business. And then on the other side, ability to get into flow state and flow state for, for any entrepreneur, any coach is just like a dream. When you have one of those days where the hours pass fast because you're having so much fun and you can't believe how creative you're getting and the ideas are flowing and the impact that you're having is massive and all of those things. And the thing is, the actual flow state hadn't been there for, for a long time. I was very methodical. I knew exactly what I should be doing in my business to move it to the next level. It was always growing, but I was getting up and it was just being disciplined and resilient that had me ticking off all, all the boxes every single day. It wasn't because I was getting up in a state of flow. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I loved my business and I loved uh, the work that I was doing. And if anybody had asked me, is there any other thing you would rather be doing right now? There wouldn't have been but I was still in a state of just ticking boxes and not really feeling in the flow state that I had experienced in the past, but in little pockets of time. And for me now, that flow state is every single day. And the ideas are better. The outcomes of the work is better. And my overall just health and happiness is through the roof. You know, it's um, it, it's a it's a big big difference with with the flow state side of things, and on the other side where I said about uh, dealing with certain situations, it's not actually that bad situations were really coming up in business. If you remember, it was that I was waiting for something to go wrong in business continuously. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for the thing to go wrong that very rarely ever went wrong, and I would allow that to eat up. Um, my sleep, I, it would affect my quality of sleep. It would affect how I got up in the morning. It would affect how I, I, how I felt throughout my entire waking day. It would even affect what I dreamt about, you know? It, it was 24 hours it was affecting me to be in this state panicking, uh, like an underlying panic about situations that could happen 
that were so rare or just not even happening whatsoever. So those are the two big changes um, across the board here that were just huge for me. And I think this is something that isn't spoken about enough in, in the industry, but I speak to coaches and my private business clients day in, day out, that have this fear that it's all going to come crashing down. And all that's doing is that's using so much energy. So you're burning it up and you're tired. Whereas now that you cannot, if we look at the rule of thermodynamics, you cannot destroy energy, you can merely transform it. So all this anxiety, all this fear that's all going to come crashing down or something that's going to go wrong or something like that. All we've done is we just transform that energy away from dark energy of fear or limiting beliefs or whatever. And we transform that to, well, actually I can, I can use that. I can use that in a positive way and I can, I can use that in this flow state. I'm going to read you a quote and I think this is going to resonate. I can, I really struggle to pronounce this guy's name. Mihalai Siziksens Mihali. If you search uh, Mihalai, M-I-H-A-L-Y, search flow state, that's the guy. This is the guy that, that coined the term flow state. And he was the pioneer that actually explored that. And his quote was that, and I'm reading it word for word, the happiest people spend much time in a state of flow, the state in which people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience itself is so enjoyable that people will do it, even at great cost, for the sheer sake of doing it. Love it. Yeah. I in. agree. <laughs> I'm in. That, <laughs> Give me it. some of that. And yeah, it, it was the exact same thing with the way that I would go through day plans before. It was about being super efficient with time and energy put into each task so that I complete the day task before the end of the day. Whereas now, albeit that I do still have my timeframes and I know what I'm doing, man, I just go into it with a completely different frame of mind. And I think it's because I realized that probably, like this is probably actually the reason now that I think of it, it's probably because the work that we've done with mindset, I know that there's nothing that's gonna be bad happening in the background. So I can immerse myself in the very thing that I'm working on rather than feeling like I need to continue checking in on this, this, and this distraction over here to make sure nothing's breaking. Um, instead, I can just be 100% focused on the very thing uh, that I'm doing, which means it gets done quicker and it gets done better as well. So if you're, if you're completing your, your tasks um, with more efficiency, you're getting them done quicker, you're saving more time, and the outcome of the work that you're doing is of a higher standard, I think everybody can see how this isn't just about feeling good. It's about affecting, you know, affecting business, affecting performance. And there's two parts to that as well. There's the first part is nothing's going to come crashing down, but then it's also recognizing on a subconscious level that you back yourself, even if it did come crashing down, well, fucking hell, yeah. I've solved bigger puzzles. I've been, hard, I've been in harder situations. And the second half of it is always not just transforming the fear but when you transform the fear there's a, there's a great phrase which is when when fear disappears the truth appears something like that something like that i've butchered that quote but when you can work with that and understand what was driving that that panic and that fear actually transforming that into excitement and creativity but then also just understanding that even if that was true we did a lot of drilling that in even if that was true you're going to do it anyway you've got a track record where you've done this again and again and again and again and for you in particular, it's not like you've gotten lucky, Neil. You've been successful again and again and again. So it's learning to accept that, well, even if it does come crashing down, well, I'll just pivot and figure it out because I've got those abilities and I know what to do. So it's, it's about 
re-understanding well, what was driving the panic and then also backing your own abilities and you backed your own abilities anyway but like you said your base level of backing your own abilities to taking that from 50 60 70 to 80 90 95 i don't think there's ever 100 but like really getting to that level you know that's really important what did you realize what were some of the key moments for you in your background as a kid you think was driving that that panic that fear of well, I, there, there was a few instances that we spoke about that were quite heavily affected by things at school when I was really young. And a lot of those came from, I, like, I was the smallest person in, in, in the year. And I, I don't just mean the smallest boy. I mean the smallest out of the boys and the girls. For, like, probably until I was, I don't know, like 10 or 11 or 12 years old, the smallest in every single class continuously, which meant that I got picked on and bullied a bit when I was younger and some of these things that we don't even think are that significant at the time and even when we look back on it it's kind of like not not that I would downplay this for anybody else because actually the thing I hate more than anything in the world is bullies like I I hate seeing bullying in adult life and Mm. it, it sickens me the idea of like my nieces and nephews getting bullied at school like it that idea sort of torches me but but the idea of me getting bullied i sort of look back and i'm like this is what it is like it's totally fine it's not really a big deal mm. but when we really like went into it and you actually had me remembering things i barely remembered like i i, I was aware that it had happened but it wasn't something that i had remembered so vividly anyway and to go back through that experience and then to realize the connection between that and how it has affected things going forwards throughout my entire life to basically I don't even know the term it would be almost like to like be undeniable right so so that you're in a position where you've worked so hard that it would be impossible to fail right so it'd be like the one thing I can control is how hard I'm willing to work so it's not even like most people wouldn't be like, oh, Neil looks like he does a lot, a lot of uh, weightlifting. They wouldn't say that, right? However, like my natural body size and shape is to be around about nine stone, right? It's always been like that. If I mm. stop training and stop purposefully eating the way that I know that I need to eat to be in the sort of shape that I want to be in right now, the weight just drops off me where most people balloon up, the weight drops off me so quickly. So for me to be like 12 and a half stone right now, it's because I've been consistently weight training, eating and being methodical about things for years and years and years consistently. And the same thing is true with the business is that the one thing that I always felt that I could control was how hard I was willing to work in comparison to everybody else. And so that was a support, I suppose, a a sort of support mechanism to to deal with how I felt about myself back then was I'm not going to put myself into a position where I could get bullied. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I could get beaten up. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I um, will struggle financially because I'm just going to get so skilled to the point in which it would be impossible for me to ever go broke again, or I'm going to get to a, a shape and a level of um, athleticism that I would be confident walking into any bar, you know, and not worry about if somebody tried to pick on me, I'd be like, yeah, it'd be fine, <laughs> you know. 
And so it's not to yeah. say that I'm any sort of role model or something in business or role model in terms of physique or anything like that. This was just a coping mechanism for myself so that I could have a level of confidence that things were not going to come crashing down, like you said. And when you have that and you understand, oh, that's why I am like I am. Steve Jobs said it right before he died. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. And this type of work really is connecting the dots looking backwards. To give a metaphor, because I love speaking in metaphors, and it's one of the greatest gifts that we have as human beings. What Neil's describing there is my job as a mental performance coach is to identify mindset blockers and blind spots by asking questions and holding up mirrors. So if we think about the conscious mind, the conscious mind is like your iPhone. So, you know, you, when you open your iPhone and you can see all of the software and every, you tap on all the apps, you see all the colors and you can move it all around. That's the conscious mind. That's the user interface. Everything we see in real life with our eyes and, and our ears, that is the user interface of reality. Our minds have these pressure valves that's basically fanning out everything and it only shows us things that are important. So that's, that's the conscious mind. But underneath that unconscious mind, underneath that app that you tap on are lines of code. And these lines of code are written when we're kids. And you'll have lines of code that has a growth mindset. And there'll be lines of codes that have a fixed mindset, a mindset with limiting belief. And my job is to identify what lines of code are working and how do we build on those lines of code and how do we polish them to hit peak performance. But on the same side, where is there some buggy code in there that is creating outcomes and creating a reality where you're filled with stress or distraction, or they're just little mindset blocks that are getting in the way. So the techniques that I'm using where we go back to Neil's past to understand, well, what's happening? Why, why is he feeling like that? That's like me literally going underneath the hood. We're pulling up the, the, the base code. I'm asking the questions and the mind knows how to heal itself. The mind knows how to update its own code, just like the body does. You know, when you scrape your elbow and there's blood pouring everywhere and whatever, a doctor doesn't put his hands over your, 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 your elbow and goes, and it's, it's fixed. A doctor goes in and creates the conditions for the body to heal itself. So it'll take out all the stones. It'll, it'll clear it all out with disinfectant. It may put a bit of bandage around there. It will create the same conditions for the, for the body to heal itself. It's exactly the same with the mind. So when we're going back to those moments, what I'm doing is I'm asking a series of questions that creates the conditions for the subconscious mind to basically rewire itself. So guess what? After you've gone, you've, you've had that session, the way that it looks is it's a one-to-one -one talking session and, you know, we'll be on Zoom and we're chatting away. I'm in, I'm in Dubai, Neil's in uh, New York and we're chatting away and he's just coming to those conclusions and understanding, oh, that's why it is what it is. And then when, he, when he's done that, he's come out, his mind is constantly rewiring that. On top of that, I've been tracking a lot of his language from every single conversation that we've had. So I'll record something for him to listen so when he's in between sessions, not only is he carrying out homework to continue working on his structure and peak performance, but he's listening to something that is updating those lines of code. And that is consistently drilling it almost like steps of the mind, just drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling. So now when he opens up his app, I opens his eyes and the stimulus of the world comes in instead of it being like, oh my God, something's going to go wrong. Oh, Cause that was a line of code before. And the other line of code was, I have to overwork and I have to outwork everyone because everything's going to go wrong. And that's my sort of superpower. Now it's nothing's going to go wrong. It's okay. And if it does, I know my shit anyway. And because he's not wasting that energy and that time, he can just lock in. And that's where he's more relaxed. He's more calm. He's making better decisions. And he's really hitting that flow state that he mentioned. So that's, I love metaphors. And that's the metaphor I would say every time we're going in, it's like me as a surgeon going, scalpel, right? There's a line of code. Let's update that, how we get 
and then on we go, which is fun, right? It's hard, but it's fun. Yeah, but that's the thing. You like you said on on the way in as well. You said it's going to be hard. There's going to be difficult moments, but it's 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 also going to be fun. And the funny thing, I don't know if this is the same for for other people. Maybe it's for everybody. Maybe it's not for anybody else. But for me personally, like I couldn't wait to get to the sessions. Like I loved the sessions. It, like even the ones that you would have said, I, I could see that one was more difficult for you. Like I loved it. Like I come out the other side of it, I was like, that's great. Another thing learned. Because for me, I'm like, I just want to understand it. I want to understand the mind. I want to understand like why I'm the way I am. And I also want to, to understand any opportunity for growth. Like I just fundamentally feel happy if I feel like I'm moving forward in one way or another. And it does not have to mean business. Like even just like meeting new people, like meeting somebody for the first time and having a great conversation with them, I would almost like say that's in the same category of feeling like I'm moving forward with something, right? And going into these sessions, even the hard ones for me was like an opportunity to grow. And it was to grow into a happier and more energetic person. And I thought that was a strong enough goal for me to be super excited about about every session that we went into. It was awesome. That's it. And for me, that's my version of flow state. I should do that all day long. I feel a little bit spoiled sometimes because I, I, I've shut my laptop and this is um, the difference for when I was selling software. When I first selling software, I'd shut the laptop off of a Zoom meeting or I'd come out of a meeting and have a big smile on my face. I eventually lost that smile on my face because the meaning and purpose behind that wasn't the same anymore. But I've refound that with what I do today because I shut my laptop and uh, I, I live with our, our mutual friend, Ben Heron. I just walk into the living room with this shitty grin and I just like, I just love what I do. I forget, forget. Uh, if money didn't exist, what would I change? No, I'd still do this all day long. Like it, it, that is flow state. And I think flow state, part of it is um, doing something that you enjoy and doing something that you're good at. And if you can find that, that crosshairs and eliminate the distractions and don't let limiting beliefs and, and, and then get in the way, that's why you're able to step into flow state because it's like, no, oh, I'm good at this. I enjoy this and it's fun. And off it goes. That's actually why I have to have a desktop clock. So I've got it on right now. If you just search desktop clock, if you're on um, a Mac, it's this little clock that sits on top of the screen. So when I share my screen, you can't see it. But actually, sometimes you can, I think. Yeah, so it's on the top left. And um, I have to keep that there because I could quite easily go on for sessions for two, three, four hours if I, if I would. That's how locked in I am. So that's why I have to have that visual cue in my top left-hand corner. Otherwise, it will just go and it will go and it will go. And that's a sign of... of flow state and, and that's ultimately what makes things fun just going to reflect on almost like you, do you ever play um like street fighter or tekken or like the old boxing uh, games and you, you pick best still good you pick that you pick the fighters right and it'd say like this one like speed like power or what, whatever and you, you could pick and they all have the different attributes if you're going to compare that neil to the one that that first school that joe introduced us to He's going to look at that guy who thought he was pretty good. He's like, no, I've, I've got this. I'm in a pretty solid position. If you're just going to compare him to the Neil that you are today, what would you say the key differences are across that three-month period and, and what we call an evolution? I'd probably say happiness was a big one. Again, funny because I thought I was really happy. <laughs> and now when I look back in comparison, it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near where where I am now, energy, completely different. Amount of moments or time spent in uh, in moments of panic or in just moments that are unpleasant is so low. First of all, 
there's certain situations that beforehand would have had me feeling like that or indeed things that actually hadn't even happened so it was continually being like that 24 hours a day and now often when those things come up it honestly doesn't affect me at all or at worst it's like that thing happens feel the same way I did but instead of letting it myself feel like that for for two or three days I'll probably feel it for about six seconds and then I'll go oh yeah that's that thing and I'm able to reframe the situation and see it for what it really is versus allowing it to go into monkey brain stuff in the background and start painting a picture of you know catastrophe on the other side of something that is so unbelievably minuscule so albeit that I was able to mask things very well and not not for perceptions but literally just I actually thought I was happy I thought I was energized I thought everything was fine there was big big gaps for improvement across the board with everything there with energy happiness how I felt in certain situations and in other situations as well so yeah oh across the board there isn't many parts of my day (laughs) that hasn't now been affected by the stuff that we've done it's incredible and when you think about it like uh, sam harris talks about this your mind is the basis of everything you experience and of every contribution you make to the lives of others given this fact it makes sense to train it oh when you put it like that it's like yeah i remember when i first started coming across these thoughts it's like well if everything does come in through the mind and often it's just my thinking that's creating an issue it's not the reality that's creating the issue and it's my physiological responses that are creating the issue in relation to my thinking towards the situation literally everything in our reality comes through our minds but it's the last thing we'll train we'll go straight into well i'll go get a pt i'll go change my body okay great we go straight into like okay well I'll, i'll need to get a business coach for example and by the way if a coach works with us and they don't have a business coach but they say to me i want to scale my business we won't work with them like you need one of those guys you need or even neil you need neil to come in and look at your marketing and, and change that that's there's no there's no way around that but we often forget about the mind but our mind is responsible for everything that we experience and when you start to realize that it's like i can literally change my reality right now with just my thoughts and when i learned that like you i was really excited to go and explore and say, well, what's next? And how can I do this? And how can I tweak this? And what about this here? And what about this here? And, and it's just, it's so exciting. It's so, so exciting. And that quote for me was just, a, blew my mind. I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And, and so, something that's just like running through my head right now is that I think what I was probably doing for the last, let's say, like, well, probably my, my lifetime, but um, definitely in, in my adult life, was I was getting continuously better at controlling the problems. So I was I was training myself to become really good at controlling the problems, accepting them for what they are, being able to be disciplined around them, being able to be resilient at any time that I felt lesser or whatever that is, rather than fixing the root cause of the problem or the problem itself and just removing it. And so instead of taking away the things that were issues from maybe my past or, or those learned behaviors, instead of fixing them or removing them or reframing them so that they aren't an issue anymore, I was just becoming better at discipline and resilience and other things that helped me cope 
with uh, with certain situations rather than actually fixing it. Well, it's easier to just sort of deal with the symptoms than it is to go to the root cause, right? That's why doctors love throwing out medication. It's like, yeah, take that. And the medication gives you a side effect, so then you need medication with the side effect. But yeah. actually, if you just go to the root cause and do some actual bloody testing and, and go right back to the original, where does that come from? Yeah. Um, so it makes total sense. Here's a question. Ignoring us as an as a organization, as a team, as, a, as an organism or a company, but what does the phrase total mental performance mean to you? If you had total mental performance, how would you know? I, I honestly think it's flow state. <laughs> I, I think flow state is absolutely everything. It's something I said to you at the, at the start. I'm hyper aware of it. I've been in it. I've loved every second I was, but I didn't feel that I got much of it. And um, I wanted to discover that flow state more. And I think total mental performance is being able to control your mind in a 24-hour period so that you spend as much time as humanly possible in a state of flow, whether you're working in your business or you're 100% immersed in the conversation with your wife, or you're 100% immersed in that round of golf, whatever it is, being able to be in that flow state and not having to check your phone or panic about something else. That for me, and it might just be because it's personal experience, but that for me is total mental performance. That's it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Jim Rohn always says, uh, don't be the guy that's at the beach thinking about the office and then being in the office thinking about the beach. And that's always, always stuck with me. Always. So I agree. Just being completely locked in 100%. Neil, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for jumping on. Where can uh, our audience find you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Massively appreciate you for, for everything that you've done in the coaching side of things with me as well. Really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate you having me on. And, you know, to, to point out as well to, to everybody, first of all, I think every single human being should have something like this and should do something like this. I know, I know it's a thing that people, people say when they've had great experiences, but it couldn't be true or just wish that you did it earlier you know, that type of thing. So if anybody's thinking about it, just go get it done. Reach out to, to Kieran. It will be one of the best things that you ever do, not just for your business, but also for overall life. It's, um, it's, it's absolutely tremendous. And we, we had a bit of a, a plan of action for, for our 10 sessions. And I don't know, did we do six? Did we do seven or something? Like we're sitting there in our last session. I was like, I don't know what else <laughs> there is to improve. You're like, what else do you want to do? And I was like, I'm honestly, I'm just so happy. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to actually, I need to go and do some journaling. Like you told me to go and journal. And I was like, yeah, I, I know I need to go and journal now to try and actually discover what else I want to work on here, because I would be the happiest guy ever off the other side of this. If we didn't do the other three sessions, I'd be like, yeah, it was an incredible, incredible transformation. And it was so much fun. And I really enjoyed every second of it. So a big massive thank you to you for that, dude. Massively appreciate you for for discovering uh, anything with uh, with what I do. Um, just go to Instagram at Neil Shoney Mac. It looks like Neil's Honey Mac, unfortunately, but Neil Shoney Mac, all one word on Instagram, and you can discover an array of stuff there for generating leads and sales. And we actually we just started something a couple of weeks ago that uh, again I'm not going to say anything about our coaching products or anything. But we've literally been taking coaches, health, fitness, and wellness coaches specifically, but taking them through five days where 
we actually get them leads and sales across the five days completely for free. We're in the middle of the second one right now. The first one, we had a, a coach make 55,000 pounds of coaching sales in five days. And it's a free experience for now, at least. <laughs> so go to the link in my bio in Instagram if you want to be part of the next one. Um, would love to have you there and uh, make a massive dent positively in uh, in your coaching business. Yeah, mate, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And big love. Guys, drop some, um, drop Neil some love either on the Instagram post when this has gone out. Please, as always, do hit subscribe, do hit, leave us a review. It means the absolute world. And uh, I will see you all next week. Have a great week. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe or you'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.